would to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll be reading from verses 6 through 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. I'm reading, listen, from the New King James Version. Not the New Living, but the New King James Version, starting off. I'm going to need your prayers for this message this morning. 2 Corinthians, as I do every time, but particularly this 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 morning amen see sister kiana just came and we announced you're going to be here for one of our teachers amen good to see you second corinthians chapter 9 beginning at verse 6 the new king james version but this i say he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God, don't miss this, loves a cheerful giver. And God, verse 8, is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I want to talk around the subject, the thought. What shall I give? What shall I give? Father God, we come before your presence once again in Jesus' name just to say thank you. Lord, we ask that you would bless our service, our hearers, those who are viewing us on social media. Let your word go forth with power and demonstration. Convict, convince and convert Lord you said that your word would not return void but would accomplish all that it set out to do particularly Lord even now with those that belong to you believers have your way even now Lord Holy Spirit think with my mind Speak with my mouth. You get glory, praise, and honor to yourself. And we promise ahead of time to give you back all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. With thanksgiving always, let all of God's people say amen, amen, and amen. What shall I give. Notice not too many people are comfortable when the church starts talking about giving, particularly the giving of money. Ah, I feel the tension now, Elder. We also know that for the most part, 
people don't have much of a problem talking about money if it has to do with how to get or make more money for yourself. And no problem with that. They don't have no problem with how to keep your money and hold on to what you already have. Folk don't have no problem with that. It just becomes rather annoying or intrusive to some people, not everybody, when we begin to talk about the giving away of our money. Is anybody listening? I guess there's still a debate in some places, some circles, as to whether or not money is a matter of your ownership or your stewardship. Because a lot of people got this thing as mine. Well, let's see. As a matter of fact, in terms of speaking about money, there are a few extremely greedy and selfish people, not in this church, but in other churches, who would rather be buried with their money than leave it for somebody else to be blessed with. Y'all looking at me funny. <laughs> 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Y'all need to know I'm talking about from the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the New King James Version says, For the love of money, don't miss this, is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Now understand, depending upon your translation, uh, some translations, the NIV, the New American Standard, and others say, interpret uh, 1 Timothy 6 and 10, says the love of money is a root of problem, but there are other translations. New, uh, the King James says it, it, it is the root. That's a big deal. Is a or is the? Now, I believe the more accurate translation in this biblical passage is that the love of money is a root of evil and more accurately translated that sin is the root of all evil. Y'all missing it. Sin Romans 5 and 12, New King James Version says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So sin and disobedience is the root of all evil. And love or lust of money is a root to all kinds of evil. Is that making sense to anybody? It's what the Bible says anyhow. In other words, as it relates to money, to money being a root to all kinds of evil, it means to have an excessive attachment to material wealth and in obtaining it by any means necessary. Some folk will do anything and everything to get money, no matter what line it crosses. 
Hello, somebody. That's why we got so much trouble out here. It's all about money in the White House, in the other house. It's all about power and money. People will kill, steal, destroy. People that are billionaires still want power and want more money. Y'all ain't listening. You would think if I had all that money and, and, and all this luxury stuff, why would I want to be in a position of president or any other position or not? Because it's the love of money. Money will do damage. Even now, if you don't fight it off, it'll tell you the devil will just shut it down. Don't listen to him. There's nothing wrong with you and me having money. But it's a problem when money has you. Is anybody listening? Nothing wrong with having money. Everybody, anybody other than me need money? But it's a problem when the money has you. Remember the title of our message this morning is, What Shall I Give? And with that being said, y'all want to hear this. There's a story of a wealthy miserly old man who on his deathbed called for his wife and he told his wife I don't want to leave any of my money behind to you or anybody else that's what he told his wife I want to take it all with me so promise me he's looking at his wife he's about to die promise me you'll put all my money in the coffin with me when I die he said, every last penny, I want it. The wife promised she would. And after the man died, his widow went to the funeral service with a friend. And just as the undertaker was about to close the casket, the wife, now widow, put a shoebox inside the coffin. Her friend was horrified and said, don't tell me you put that money in the box, in the coffin. The wife said, well, I promised him I would. So I got all his money together, deposited in, it in my account, and I wrote him a check. She said, the check is in the shoebox. So if he can cash it, he'll get his money. I think that was a wise widow. Do I have a witness? She said, I kept my part of the deal. I gave him a check. Dead old man. You cash it if you can. I'm talking about what shall I give? Nobody is comfortable when the church starts talking about money. Am I right? Yet we know that the Bible talks about money and the giving of it. Luke chapter 6. Y'all need to get these pastors so you don't say Pastor Point is just pushing this. Luke chapter 6 verse 38. The New Living Translation says... Why did you switch translation? Because I wanted to say it best to communicate the truth of God to you. Luke 6.38, New Living Translation says, Give and you will receive. Your gift, 
Listen to what God is saying. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. You only hear God, the more you give, God says, the more I'm going to give back to you. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give, listen what God says, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Giving is an investment. God says it. You don't lose out. You're investing. Now understand because I hear somebody critic saying, wait a minute. That ain't all that verse said. Well, Luke 6.38 applies to forgiveness, mercy, understanding, and patience. But it also applies to giving of money. Amen, somebody. I'm talking about what shall I give. And giving of money is a subject that is sparingly preached on and probably not in the top 10 of requested sermon messages looked forward to from the pew. I doubt if you would ask people in the pew, what's one of your favorite passages to be preached? I doubt if they would say giving money. I doubt it. And with that being said, preachers don't deal with it too much because a lot of preachers are afraid to bring up money or talking about it for fear that the congregation will become angry and give less. Mm -hmm. You talking about giving, I'm going to give less. Well, you would expect that from people that say they don't know the Lord, but with people that are blood washed and born again and under the power and control of the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't think that attitude would prevail. I did hear Paul's charge to Timothy before Paul went home to be with the Lord in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, the New King James Version. Paul said, I charge you, he's talking to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Here's what Timothy was charged by Paul. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. When they want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it, preach the word. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and with all long-suffering and teaching. Verse 3, for the time will come, and it has come, y'all, when people will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, just tell me good stuff, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth, verse 4, and be turned aside to fables. People would rather, I heard a politician who accused folk of stealing an election and he had the people around him that put it in his ear that he was right. He knew it was wrong. But if you surround yourself with fake people, they'll tell you what you want to hear, not what God wants you to hear. I wish I had some help in here. 
It's the same way when the preacher gets up to talk about money. The devil will try to tell you, no, that's a lie. And God says, you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Am I doing all right? Y'all gonna give me a little more time. There are a number of reasons we could say why Christians generally have hang-ups with regards to talking about money, especially from the pulpit. I hear somebody now, not in this church, but maybe he out there. I, I knew I shouldn't have came today. I knew it. I knew it. I, I should have took off today. Here he come talking about, and I got to look and act like I'm interested. Uh, mm, I wish somebody had called me with an emergency, a flat tire, I'm out. Well, one hang up could be that people don't want to hear that God is not pleased with people holding back on their giving. When he is the one who has blessed you financially so that your giving can be a blessing to somebody else. Another reason people have a problem about talking about money is because they hear, y'all stay with me, of shady Greedy men and women on some pulpits who are more concerned about lining their pockets with money by increasingly ripping off other people. Amen, somebody. And rather than being focused on seeing an increase in souls being won to Christ, some preachers on some pulpits, rather than want to see lives transformed by the preaching and teaching of the word of God, They'd rather rip you off. I don't know if you, any of you have watched on certain channels, on certain social media outlets where all you hear about is how God's blessings are only obtained through the giving of money. Any of y'all ever heard of them? Yeah, I, they got shows that come on two or three in the morning. I might be watching something and next thing I heard about, you, you got to give your money like that's the only way you're going to get blessed. No, it's a turn off. Am I right about it? We know that giving of money is only one of a number of ways to receive God's blessings. Amen. The problem is people often do other than the giving of money and say, well, I'm doing this. God says you need to do that plus. Oh, my God. Don't get turned off because you've had an experience or you heard somebody talk about it in another church, how they ripped off the, uh, and, and all that stuff. Don't get turned off and say, well, every church is the same. Every preacher is the same. Every ministry, all they want is your money. You didn't say that when you went to see Beyonce. And he's charged all that money. When they do all them other stars and and you don't talk about how much money and wait in line for hours and they getting rich and wealthy wearing their fancy clothes and ain't nothing wrong with all of that but you ain't got no problem with giving them your money hello somebody you ain't got no problem with taking a trip every time and I don't care what they charge you gonna spend it cause you say I owe it to myself God says I'm not owing it to me you about you and God said, what about me first? 
Oh, I owe myself. A, yeah, me and my wife are going on vacation. I don't owe it to myself. No, I owe vacation thanking God for me being able to go. And when I'm going, I hope I can enjoy myself and not have to worry about money. Ought not make or try to make the legitimate preacher pay the bill for somebody else who messed up. Am I right about it? No more than you would want to say all people of color are violent criminals. That's what they say. Everybody of color is a violent criminal. They don't want to work. Nobody. They don't love their children. Nobody. Because we know that's not true. My wife and I were in a store the other day and my wife purchased something and the cashier, I'm going to say she didn't mean nothing. She comes uh, and hands me the bag that my, you know, my wife just purchased and my wife pays for. And then she said, yeah, Mr. I forgot the word. She, powerhouse over there. He, 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 you know, in other words, he was trying to suggest to my wife, yeah, he over there while you spending the money. He got, my wife said, oh, no, he got a lot to do with me being able to spend this, to buy this. She took it because I'm a person of color. And she got us all branded together. A black man don't take care of his wife. That's a lie from the pit. I wish I had some witnesses in here. Amen, somebody. What shall I give? What does the Bible say about the giving of our money? Well, the theological basis of offerings or of our giving, it's in the Bible. In the first place, y'all hear me? The first place we read about offerings or giving in scripture is in Genesis chapter 4. Now I know, wait a minute, somebody said, uh-uh, oh, oh, I got you. Genesis 14, 18 and 20. Remember Abraham gave one-tenth of the spoils of war to Melchizedek and the priest king of Salem? I know that. But the first step before that, in Genesis chapter 4, y'all get this. Genesis chapter 4, God required a particular kind of offering from Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, the New Living Translation says, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve. And she became, I'm reading the Bible, y'all look at it. It's in the Bible. I see something. Read the Bible. I told you Genesis 4. One to seven. Y'all looking at me. He talking about sex. The Bible's talking. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, verse two, she gave birth to his brother, named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. That's what Cain did. But Abel also bought a gift, the best portions of the first fruit and firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. That made Cain, verse 5, very angry and he looked dejected. God asked him, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? God says to him in verse 7, like he says to us, you will be accepted. I'll take your gift if you do what is right. Do it the way I'm telling you. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. 
Sin is crouching at the door, eager to, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. In other words, don't let sin keep, keep telling you what to do or the wrong thing to do. The Bible talks about giving and you got every kind of excuse. They ripping off this, that, and the other. God says they ain't got nothing to do with you doing what I told you to do. Hello, somebody. God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's. We know that the one brother did what God required of him the way he required. And the one that said, well, hey, God, I'm still giving you something. I'm still helping out in the church. I'm still, all of that's good, but God said, that ain't what I told you to do. I told you to go in your pocketbook. Well, I ain't going in there. I'm going to do three other things. That ain't what I told you to do. Oh, my God. I said the Bible has a lot to say about giving. First of all, Jesus declares that our attitude, oh, attitude. Somebody say attitude. Attitude got a lot to do with your giving. Now, nobody in here, don't look at me funny. All y'all got perfect attitude. Out there, I'm talking about other people. Your attitude is indicative of the focus of our hearts. I heard Reverend Pointer say, said every Sunday, it's a heart issue. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, verse, uh, Matthew first of uh, chapter 6, verse 21, New King James says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you put your money, that's where your heart is really. Hello, somebody. If you're in the casino, that's where, and you put your money in, that's really where your heart is. In other words, if a person's true heart's focus and attention is heaven-minded, then he or she will invest their treasure in kingdom building. Kingdom building is someone who believes, a kingdom builder is someone who believes that God's work is not finished and that we are in partnership with heaven to see the message and hope of Jesus spread around the world. But if your treasure is on earth, You'll focus your heart and attention on earthly matters about just making more money. Hello, somebody. One of my um, granddaughters is starting school. What is it, honey? Uh, cosmetology? Is that it? Yeah, on the 28th. We're so happy. You got other folk that do hair. Hair is a good thing, especially when you do it good. And you can make good money. My granddaughter, she's always been dealing with hair. And now she called my mama pop up yesterday. And we shouted. We damn praise the Lord. My other granddaughter's in college doing what she went for the health care. But we didn't put the other granddaughter there. She had to make up her mind. And doing hair is what. Now she's got accepted. She starts the 28th of August. And she's all excited. And we're excited for her. She's going to make money. But she said, pop pop. I know the church. It's supposed to get money too. You know why? Because the seed is planted when she's young. Hello, somebody. You got to put that in the kids when they're young and stop making them think that everything you got is all about you and shopping. Ain't nothing wrong with not taking care of you and shopping, but God's supposed to come first. Oh, I'm in trouble. You want to know where your heart is? Look at your personal financial account. When you get home, 
and see where your spending goes. See where the spending goes and where the church goes. And otherwise, do you prioritize your budget weekly or bi-weekly to make sure giving to the church is your top priority? Or is giving to the church something that you figure out when you have almost spent it all? I know nobody here, y'all getting quiet. But some people, see, you're supposed to, when you first get your money, say, here's the church, here's God's part. I wish I had some Bible readers here. You're supposed to start off with God and the church. Because when you fall short, you can go back to God and say, God, I gave you your part, so he'll take care and make sure he covers your short part. But if you take care of you first, God can say, that's on you. You didn't think about me. Man. I said our love for God and his work will show up in how we give our money. Let me give you these four helpful principles to guide you about how you think about and how you give your money. Y'all ready? First of all, it's pretty basic, but maybe we need to be reminded somebody. First of all, number one, God owns everything. And he gives however and whatever, including money, to whom he chooses. Psalm 24, verse 1. Psalm 24, verse 1, the New King James Version says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Proverbs 22, verse 2, the New King James Version says, Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The reality is that all we have is from God. Amen. And the question should never be how much of my money should I give away, but rather, y'all listening, how would God have me to use his money? Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Elder, I'm pushing. I'm, I'm trying to push through. God, how would you want me to use your money? When I came to church, I didn't have to think when I got there how much I was going to give. I already figured that out before I got to church. I'm already giving you at least a tenth. At least a tenth. Number two, how we spend and give away God's money is a fundamental aspect of worship. That's a part of worship. That's why you see some churches and everybody's not ripping them off. They're happy when they give them. They're marching and they're happy. Yeah. Giving worship. Yeah. Colossians 3.17, New Living Translation says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. In other words, when we spend and give our money, we must be confident that what we're doing glorifies God and honors him. Am I right about it? God owns everything, number one. How we spend and give is a part of worship. But number three, giving to the church and the ministry, which is a part of kingdom building and the spreading of the gospel is commanded by God. Well, I do what God says. Okay, let's see. Proverbs 3. Verse 9 and 10, the New Living Translation. I'm reading the Bible. Honor the Lord, verse 9, with your wealth and with the best part 
of everything you produce. Not the last part, but the best part. Verse 10 says, then when you do it the way God says, he will fill your bonds with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. In other words, the scripture is referring to, here we go, consistent giving. It ought to be a part of your regular routine. When I was at uh, 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 Sharon, I had a, me and my family had a regular routine of giving money. As a couple, what we going to give the Lord? What we going to give the Lord? You get, we always turned in an envelope. We didn't wait until we hit a number or we got an extra. No, this goes first anyhow. Consistent. And if I might also add, since we're talking about what the Bible says about giving, y'all gonna give me 10 minutes? Only a couple of people. Y'all gonna give me 10 minutes? How about out there? Y'all waving? Thank you. Particularly, I said we might as well add this since we're talking about giving. Particularly if the church is set up this way. Understand you hear Reverend Pointer, and this is your business, but I got to tell because folk don't know. You hear I'm talking about pastors not on a salary per se, and some people, ah, I don't know what they're. Well, the way this church is set up, understand I don't get a salary. Hello, somebody. If you got salary wise what I got, yeah, after 27 years, you'd have said, man, you poor. I couldn't live off of that. I don't get a salary, I get a housing allowance. Permitted by the IRS, and that's it. And I tithe, give back to the church out of my housing allowance as I get it, plus offerings. My wife gives her tithes also, plus additional offerings. You might not see it, but when the church needs some extra, my wife won't have a problem with writing a check to help. But she don't come and say, I gave because that ain't what you're supposed to do. We do more. It's not just the pastor or he. You don't know what we do. Just like some of you. Years ago, the church leadership here, I've been here 27 years, but years ago, they couldn't afford to give me a decent salary or they didn't want to. So I decided to trust God to touch the hearts of his people through love offering. Since y'all can't do, then I'm going to trust God to touch the hearts of you and you and you and you to bless me and my family. You taking a chance, I sure is. I sure is. Taking a chance that you won't get mad, that you'll think about the pastor not every six, nine months, but on a daily or, or weekly or bi-weekly basis and put me and my family as part of your giving and God won't let you down. And everything I get through love offering, y'all need to know this, is reported to IRS. Oh yeah, they came at one time and what you call that? When they check you? Audit. Guess what they did? Sent me more money. I'm serious. Dad, you, you, we owe you some. Sent me some back. Man, you, you, you that, that low? And you doing this? We owe you some. 
With that being said, given to the pastor or the preacher who blesses you with the word of God is encouraged in the Bible. First Corinthians chapter nine, I'm hastening on. First Corinthians chapter nine, verses 11 through 14, the New Living Translation. Paul says, since we have planted, talk about the preacher, the pastor, church plan or whatever. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? Should you take care of the man or woman who's doing this? Verse 12, if you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? Paul says, I've never used this right. I've never forced it. No, I didn't say you got to do it, but I'm trusting God that you'll do the right thing. We would rather put up with anything than, than to be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. I wouldn't want people to turn away and say, oh, he's just asking about blessing him. No, Lord, I pray that you would put the right hearts that when I say this, it doesn't offend them. It helps them to surround and support. Verse 13, 1 Corinthians 9. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, verse 14, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. I wish I had some help. I wish I had some help. God owns everything, not only owns everything, not only he tells us that giving is a part of worship. Thirdly, given to the church and the ministry of the gospel is commanded but fourthly, given is to be done with thoughtfulness. You're supposed to think it, through it. Sacrifice, hello somebody. Generosity and joy. Some of y'all going out today or whatever and eat dinner and that's a good thing, that's your business. And the food is scrumptious. You go to these places, they charge you some money and the waitress or waiter's doing good. You say, listen, they got on there 18, 19, 20%. I saw some with 22%. And you bless them. Oh man, that food was good. And you're going to get hungry about four hours later. Hungry again. You come to the church and I give you life and death transformation issues. Going to change your life. And you said, uh, can't give them nothing. 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 and I'm hastening. 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until you get here and then try to decide. You're supposed to consider it. You're supposed to make sure you already know what you're going to do. Hello, somebody. I'm talking about what shall I give? 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 says, New Living Translation. So let each one give as he purposes in your heart. Not grudgingly, I'm repeating what I already read. Or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. It's not about the money, it's about the heart. It's about living with the attitude that we've been blessed to be a blessing. Am I right about it? Notice in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 9, two words, give and cheerful in your giving. And that word give is from the Greek word didomi, didomi. 
It means to bestow a gift. To give something to someone or something as purposed in your heart. And the other word is cheerful. And that word cheerful is from the Greek word hilaros. Hilaros from where we get the English word hilarious. God is saying when you give you're supposed to say <laughs> praise the Lord. You ought to see some frowns on faces. Man. Or oh, they got to get up and put the finger. I got to run it. Or oh, I'm going to come in. Did they got, oh man, I thought I missed the offering. God says you ought to be cheerful. You ought to be laughing with emotion. Hey, I've got something to give. Because God then gave me. Am I right about it? I know we give our talents. And we give by helping out. That's all a blessing. But we do that not at the exclusion of giving money. Uh, I'm trying to close. What shall we give? And I want to illustrate through two stories about giving or lack of giving that might be helpful to somebody this morning. The one story, a man took his family to church. And when the offering plate came around, the man put in one dollar bill. And on the way home, the man complained about everything the church did. He didn't like the sermon because it was boring and too long. He didn't like the people because he thought they stared at him and made him feel uncomfortable. He didn't like the choir or the praise and worship team because they were, in his opinion, really good. He didn't like the musician or the choir members because they didn't dress well enough. And suddenly his 10-year-old son said, hey, Dad, I thought it was pretty good for the dollar you put in the offering. But one dollar and spending all of this stuff. Let me tell you this other story. I'm getting ready to get out. A member of a local church approached his pastor and said, Pastor, y'all listen now. I have a problem. The man said, I've been tithing for some time. He said, it wasn't too bad when I started out working. I was making $20,000 a year, and I could afford to give $2,000 or 10%, approximately $41 a week or $168 a month. But he said, Pastor, I'm now making 100000 a year. And there's just no way I can afford a tithe of 10%, which equals giving 10000 a year, which works out to me giving $210 a week or $840 a month. It would be like him saying, although I'm making $80,000 more a year, because of the Lord's blessing me, I've decided to cut back. So when the pastor thought about what the man said, the member said, he said, yes, sir, I think you do have a problem. He said, I think you do. I think what we ought to do is pray right now. Would that be okay? The man said, yes, it would. So the pastor prayed, dear Lord, this man has a problem handling his financial blessing and increase. Lord, I pray that you help him, Lord. I pray that you reduce his salary back to the place 
or amount it was before you blessed him with his financial increase where he can afford to die. He said when he was only making 20000 he was okay. Now you bless him with 80000 more, he said he can't afford it. What do you think about that? The more God blesses you, the more you ought to be wanting to be a blessing. God will take that man from 20000 to making 100000 10,000 or 10% is only 10%. Am I right about it? 10% you ought to be just starting. 10% plus an offering. Let me give you the biggest misconception about that Christians have about giving and we're done. Let me give you the biggest misconceptions why people struggle to give. Is that all right? Four misconceptions on reason or reasons why people struggle to give. And that might have been you in the past, but maybe you've changed now. But here's some misconceptions, reasons people struggle to give even today. First of all, misconception number one, they believe my personal resources will run out. I won't have enough money for me. Well, Philippians 4.19, New Living Translation said, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Have you ever worried somebody that if you give your time, your energy, your money, you won't have anything left for you? Is anybody ever worried about that? Hello, somebody. I know it's hitting somebody. You're worried about if I give the church my money, you're talking about a tenth. I bet you go out and spend more than a tenth somewhere else. Oh, well, that's my business. When I thought you supposed to be concerned about God's business. Not only personal resources will run out, but some people say they can't get because they feel unappreciated. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, New King James says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounded in the work of the Lord, knowing, here we go, that your labor is not in vain. What you give is appreciated. Hello, somebody. First of all, God is pleased. And if you know anything about your pastor or the pulpit or the leaders, you ought to know that they're pleased. Am I right about it? Not only personal resources will run out, some people falsely believe that and unappreciated. But here's another one. I only got one more. What's in it for me if I give? You know how the mindset is. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The Bible says in Proverbs 11, 25, New Living, the generous person will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You got to not only know the Bible, but believe the Bible. In other words, remember who guarantees you a blessing. It's the Lord. Am I right about it? And if you give for the wrong reasons, expecting something back in return, then prepare to be disappointed. Am I right about it? Only got one more. Not only the misconception of personal resources will run out and uh, 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 being unappreciated and what's in it for me, but fourthly and lastly, I don't have that much to give anyway. That's what people say. 
I'm on a fixed budget. That's true. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Y'all missed it. Yeah. You give from what you have, no matter how little or how large. Yeah. Is that making no? I don't have to. Is that making sense if you can read with the Bible? Mark chapter twelve, and I'm done. Verse forty-one to forty-four. Mark chapter twelve says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. And many rich people put in large amounts. Verse 42. Then a poor widow. She was on a fixed income y'all. Came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more. Than all those rich people. Who are making contributions. They gave out of their abundance. And they still had plenty. She gave out of her poverty. Verse 44. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she. Poor as she is. Has given everything she has to live on. Don't you know that God. Will take care of that widow. I wish I had. I wish somebody in here would let me know. Has God been taking care of anybody other than me? Has anybody in God been taking care of you? God wants somebody to know. He wants you to be a cheerful giver. Am I right about it? She gave two small coins. She didn't have any money in the bank. I'm close. She didn't have a credit card to use. She didn't have any stocks or bonds to liquidate. She didn't have perhaps anything left for herself. And she trusted God to make a way out of nowhere. Am I right about it? She sacrificed. All I'm saying is that there are three kinds of givers in here right now and out there. See where you fit. I ain't looking at you, but it's three kinds of givers right in here today. Y'all want to hear? No, y'all don't want to hear. Grudge givers is one. Duty givers is two. And thanksgivers. Yeah. That's three. Yeah. Am I right about it? Yeah. Grudge givers give and say, I hate to give. Yeah. Yeah. Duty givers give and say, I'm forced to give. Yeah. They're going to look at me funny. Yeah. But thanksgivers say, I want to give. Yeah. 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 Where do you fit in yeah. this morning? Do you want to give time, talent, and your money? Don't you know that God will bless the giver? You and I cannot give God. I'm getting ready to go away in a few days. And I'm trusting God to touch the hearts of his people. Amen, somebody. 
You say, why did you prepare? Because I'm like the widow with the two coins. When stuff is going wrong at the church and with me, most of the time I say, take care of the church and I won't get nothing for one month, for two months, for three months, for four months, for five months, for six months, for seven months, for eight months, and sometimes working online. But I'm trusting God for you and you and you and you and you. God ain't broke and I'm trusting him to work it out. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Sometimes I got to dare us to trust God just like I have to. God says, Pastor, don't have to do all the trusting. Somebody else can do and weigh in on the trusting. Am I right about it? I thank God for Minister Presley. She's a blessing. She makes it, makes it work. Amen. She trusts God like I have to. But it's harder for me sometimes because I ain't talking about stepping out of the boat. Man, I done stepped out of the boat so many times in this ministry. Why'd you stay here? Because God said so. Because God says so. I wouldn't have stayed in it well because God says so. Were you stupid? Well, because God said so, I'll be stupid because God said so. Amen. I'm trusting God for you because he wants me to preach the word to you and others that you're going to bring so that he'll be saved. Folk will get saved. They'll have a love for the Lord Jesus Christ and they'll have passion and, and conviction and they'll want to rescue people that are already out there until God does something else or says something. But he already told me this too will pass. This is going to change. And it's going to be people said, man, I'm so glad I trusted God. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. As we wrestle on our feet.